All right. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Workroom. We are so excited to be here with you. We are coming back after a one-week pause, and we're going to use this episode to kind of regroup, talk about what we have planned for springtime, and what else, Garsing? Yeah, I think I think it was nice to like have a little break and reflect on like what we did in the past and like what's exciting us now. How was your week off? It was lovely. <laughs> so lovely. Yeah, I had vacation last week. Amazing. My level of languishing slash burnout is so improved from a week of time away. Just having time in the sun and not sitting at a computer was really, really rejuvenating. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were a little burned out. Now you feel like you got that rest from that exhaustion. Yeah, I think so. I think I was, yeah, I think I was more in the languishing category than the burnout category, mm-hmm. but whatever I did served me well. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? How's your week been? It was good. Yeah. I think it was like same old, same old, but uh, I was trying to continue with the healthy habits and then was just like trying to spend more time with people during the work week, which is sometimes Mm -hmm. like, it's like good, but, but it can be tough. Cause like, you know, after a work day, you kind of just want to crash and and chill out, but it's it's rejuvenating to actually like spend time with people. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's more necessary this year for us because we end up our jobs, we're kind of alone in an office and then different patients come in, but we have less time with each other. Mm-hmm. So I feel that need more too, to make time in the day for fun times. Yeah. And I think I was lowering my expectation for what like a get together needs to be. Like literally I was just, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out for like two hours with a friend, you know, just having snacks and watching, catching up on RuPaul's Drag Race. So it was like mm-hmm. very low stakes. It's not like we had to like catch up after not seeing each other for a whole month and, you know, all of this and that. So yeah, I think it, I tend to be someone who likes my alone times. So it's easy to w- kind of withdraw and then like see mm-hmm. people very- You like your cats. Yeah. Like to spend time with them. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's getting nicer out. So yeah. And you're going to be moving away from New York city at some point. So you gotta yeah, soak it up. Down. Which speaking of, so yeah, that kind of means we have a countdown in terms, not, not necessarily a countdown. We can always continue this, but it'll be weird to like have a, another separation from you the end in, in just a couple months and what it might mean for the podcast. But I guess we'll, we'll cross that. Yeah. Through. Cause so Garsing and I decided, what was it like November ish that we wanted to start this podcast. And at that point you knew that you were doing fellowship and yeah. likely leaving New York city. So yeah. we were like, let's give this a try. Definitely through July. And I think we we still don't know if come July, if we'll start doing it remotely together or what it'll look like. But we were kind of pausing this week to think, I, I was looking at our site and realized that we've made 12 episodes, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. The average podcast apparently only makes 10 before giving up. So oh, we're already oh, past the 10, the 10 point. And we still um, have energy. We do. Yeah. But we were, you know, I've been, I've been asking people and talking to people about kind of podcasts and what they like about them. And, you know, a lot of people asked us about like the idea of seasons. Like, do we have a season that we like to do? Is this a season that we're in? When do we stop? And that got us thinking, you know, when we first started this, we just kind of jumped in with like, what do we want to talk about? What are we learning this week? Which I think, I think was a great way to go. Like you got to just like try, try. And I think we learned a lot from that of like, which episodes resonated with people, what people liked. Like, I think people really liked some of the practical ones that were like, you could immediately take something from it, like mm-hmm. radical acceptance. You can understand that or cognitive distortions. You could like take something and, and run with that. 
Yeah. Um, so we learned something from just trying a little bit of everything. But now, since we had this pause, we're kind of more ready to choose a focus and kind of stick with it for a little bit. Exactly. We, we've we spent the first 12 kind of talking about just what comes up in the week and mental health concepts kind of in general. But going forward, Lila and I got excited about the idea of talking about I guess, mental health ideas or topics that we see in like the media, like TV shows or in the news, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think initially our vision for this podcast was pretty broad. We were like, we want to bring you into the workroom and we want to talk about medical culture and mental health and kind of how they intersect and also kind of demystify a lot of these concepts. And I think like as we've recorded more episodes, I think I've kind of fine-tuned what I want from this podcast and what I want to offer people. And that's that like, there's this really cool, feels like awakening that's happening in culture where like people are so interested in mental health, like super, super interested in it. I think it happened partly in the pandemic. So TV shows are covering it. You know, people are throwing around different words all over social media. So with that, it's powerful because there's a conversation, but there's also the downside of like, it's really confusing Yeah. because a lot of these terms, they're not straightforward. Like they're not, it's not obvious what trauma is, what PTSD is, what narcissism is. And so seeing kind of all of a sudden everyone in the culture using these words in a way where it's taken us a long time to understand them is it's confusing. And I think it, it can be damaging too to kind of use these words a lot. So I'm not at all for like policing language, but I think there's huge value given how much these words are being used to really slow it down, complicate it, really think about what they mean. And if we are going to use them, like let's get a really nuanced understanding of what a personality disorder is, what trauma is, what narcissism is, if we're going to start using it. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes along with our like clinical work because we never predefine for patients. Like you should feel this way or mm-hmm. do this. Like that's not our goal. It's our goal is really to bring awareness and intentionality to like what you're feeling. It's like, okay, you felt angry in this situation and you did this because of it. Is that really what mm-hmm. you wanted to do? Or like, should we examine that? And like mm. things like that. So similar, like that's, that's what came to mind as you were defining our intention, just to bring awareness that like, there can be a difference between how the media talks about some of these concepts versus like how we kind of professionally think about them. Mm -hmm. So our our goal will still be to demystify, bring some information just from what we've learned, what we are learning, but make it fun. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. And it's such a, it's such a fine line because something that can be really helpful in one context can also be damaging in other contexts. Like I'm thinking of someone who was telling me, they were like, oh my God, I never knew that I had depression. And then I was watching an ad and they showed this black cloud, like enveloping a person. And then the person started to walk really slowly and they couldn't see the sun. And like, I just kind of got it like, oh, that's what depression is. Oh, you know, or another person who was like, you know, I always thought medications were awful, but then I heard this famous person talking about their medications and I realized everyone needs them. So like those kinds of things can be super empowering to mm-hmm. get a visual or see someone you really admire and realize, okay, they struggle with something similar. Mm-hmm. I think on the flip side in the world of social media, there's like this big pressure to say something really dramatic or get a big reaction or get people to listen to you. And like our culture loves the idea of like victims mm-hmm. and perpetrators. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of language of trauma or disorder or personality issue, like that can easily fall into this, like good guy, bad guy. Let me draw people's attention to something really that I like that I really need attention Mm -hmm. for. 
Um, and I think that's where it, it can really be damaging because these words, they're not really meant to be wielded against other people. We never like throw disorders at people. Like they come to us and they're like, something's wrong. Like help me understand it. That's right. when we come up with this. And similarly, like knowledge of these words is not so that you can run around and not that anyone do this, but run around being like, this person has this and this right. person has that. And this, like, it's so that you can look at yourself, look at your behaviors, kind of understand things in a different way in a yeah. way that hopefully feels better. Exactly. What you, I think you said this in the very first episode of like, you've come to learn from mentors that the reason we use these diagnoses, categories, labels is to be helpful, to guide treatment in order to do something about an issue. We have to understand it first. And if the category that we come to or the label is not useful, then throw it out. Yeah. And I like how you framed that. It's like, we don't take joy in like running around calling people like you're narcissistic and you're antisocial. You know, it, that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not at all what we like to do. I think we, we try our best to use these terms delicately and intentionally, like for a purpose yeah. of helping someone else. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think this is fading a little bit, but I remember when I first used to tell people I was going to be a psychiatrist, people would like, not everyone, but some people would kind of like back away and be like, oh my God, don't analyze me. Like, don't, don't diagnose me. And like, they kind of had this idea that like constantly we have this lens and we can't stop just filtering people through their diagnoses at all times. Right. And I get it. It's like a scary notion, but that's like not an interesting way to live at all. Like I wouldn't want to go to a party and just like do that. No. Um, (laughs) But it is, it is this kind of like, I think as people have more exposure to therapists, psychiatrists, mental health, they realize it's more nuanced, but mm-hmm. I, I don't like hear that as much anymore. But definitely a few years ago, there was a lot of like backing away slowly and like fear of becoming the patient in any context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about patienthood being like on the receiving end of this sort of attention is there's still a lot of stigma around mental health treatments. And so kind of being subject to this sort of attention, I guess, brings that out. But I think both of us are mindful that there's a person on the other side of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> of the language. And so we want to be sensitive. I'm curious for you, like, how did you view personality or what personality was like before psychiatry versus now? Um, that's a good question. I don't think I ever gave it much thought. And I think mm-hmm. being in training has actually given me the language of how to think about personality and how to break it down into like different traits and aspects. But I I think what's remained the same is like, this is who they are. This is like a stable way of being that you can't really change, or at least it's like very difficult to change like your personality, but it's, it's essentially like an essence of like, who is this person? Yeah. I'm thinking of, for some reason, it makes me think of like middle school and like, kind of like the value judgments of like, oh, this person has like a really good personality. Like I want to be around them or like, I really, you know, this person, person's personality is like really off-putting or like this person's shy, this person's loud, like these kind of like big categories that people were kind of lumped into. Right. Especially in school or big social situations very sweeping one note Mm -hmm. labels like you are a shy person so that means you can't be an x person or like you know you're the cool kid and then you're the like uncool kid right 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 middle school yeah (laughs) yeah or even yeah just the idea of having a good personality versus like a bad one like that Mm -hmm. seems like something that you could possess or not possess 
Right. Very yeah. black and white. Oh, and it always seemed to be like a zero sum game too. It's like there was a sense of fairness that people had to wanted to maintain of like, mm-hmm. well, if you don't have athletic abilities, at least you're funny or like, you know, yeah. these weird offs that were always right. like silly. Yeah, this person has to have a good personality because of this other defect. Yeah. It's so true. People did talk like that. Yeah. I would have yeah but um yeah and in in the course of learning about personality more professionally it's like so complicated and multifaceted and I think that's why it's it's so interesting yeah my first exposure to personality like in a medical setting was I was at this personality disorder clinic as a med Mm. student so it was everybody there had been diagnosed with a personality disorder mm-hmm. and we'll get into like what that even means but it was an intensive treatment so it was a day program people would often come in the morning stay all afternoon and one day one of the psychiatrists he passed around a personality test hmm. and he passed it on to the patients and he passed it to me as a med student and said you hmm. have to fill it out too hmm. and the test was very confusing like it's not like i could decipher it like there were a lot of questions like in this situation how mm-hmm. would you react or would how angry would this kind of thing make you mm-hmm. so like i couldn't immediately f- figure out how to answer it such that i wouldn't have a personality disorder like it was <laughs> it was like it was it was really confusing yeah i also like didn't want to have no personality which seemed like an option that you could also have if you were to answer it in a really benign way <laughs> so <just> <laughs> yeah so i answered it and then he started collecting the sheets and he started putting on the board graphing out people's answers And it was a scale. So it would be like, you're like this far on the narcissism scale, this far on the dependent scale. And you would think, I guess, in a setting that's devoted for people with personality disorders, I wouldn't feel this kind of like internalized, like shame about my personality, but it totally came out where like, I wouldn't hand in my sheet. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sharing this with you. (laughs) And I don't remember, I don't remember what my results were, but clearly they were like, I felt something about them Yeah. and I wouldn't let him like analyze it or put it on the board or whatever. But I think like, yeah, I guess I realized a lot about my own kind of fears or thoughts about personality in that context. I mean, just how pathologizing it can feel to put your personality on paper or on a scale and mm-hmm. have someone tell you what it means. You felt like you were being analyzed and like, oh, by completely. someone else. Yeah, like what you're and saying. And like really before. without my consent. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was also in a confusing setting of like, I was a med student and like I was with a group of patients, but like they were agreeing to treatment. Like I wasn't agreeing to that. Right. Being in that position. Right. Um, but it feels really personal to kind of answer these questions about how you respond and then be told, you know, where you are on some scale of problemhood. Right. It's pretty reductive and that can feel bad. But also, yeah, it, it is hard to talk about without taking personally because ultimately it's like <laughs> it, it's like this is you. Like your personality is you. It's like you can't really separate them and so to hear that the way your personality is is like disordered of course feels bad because it's it feels like it's a judgment against you as a person I mean even the words that we have so yeah calling a personality disorder a disorder in the first place is kind of useless like we all have a personality and I guess what they're saying when they call it a personality disorder is like the combination of your personality traits is causing problems in your life, a right. lot of problems to the point that you want some kind of treatment for it. Like that's right. why we call it a disorder, but it, it's sort of useless in the sense that everybody has a personality. Like you can't really be disordered in a thing that everyone has It's right. more, I don't know what it should be called, but it, there should definitely be a better way to talk about this. Yeah. Um, but then also even the, so the different 
types of personality disorders are so negative, like associ- mm-hmm. like narcissism, antisocial, like even that word sounds terrible, mm-hmm. borderline personality, like that's, that sounds confusing to people. Uh-huh. There's so much to counteract in like the language that has been passed down to us about this. Yeah, it's like, we need a different term. We don't have one yet. It's something worth thinking about. But I, anytime I talk about personality disorder to patients, I always lead with like, this term sucks. It's archaic and we need a better term for it. And, and then I go to explain like what the diagnostic criteria is as it relates to them and what they're going through. I think you need kind of all that padding because otherwise it just feels really stigmatizing and you want it, you want it to come across as like, I want to help you understand from my understanding, what might be leading you to run into problems in your life. So, yeah, I mean, right. Despite all the caveats we've given. I think we've both been trained to really see value in giving this diagnosis to people and really talking about personality with people. And I think the thing that's most meaningful about it is that most of our diagnoses are very cyclical. So like depression, bipolar disorder, even PTSD, like it'll come in waves and, and you can think about when it started in your life and when it stopped. But with personality disorder, it's kind of been there your whole life. Mm -hmm. And so for people who feel like they've kind of had this problem that they can't really name for their entire lives. Mm-hmm. doesn't really come in waves. It's kind of always there. None of our other words capture that at all. So people are left feeling really lost and like they can't, like it doesn't make sense. So when you give them this language of like a personality disorder with all the caveats of it, it's like something clicks around like, oh, this is a long-term thing. Like mm-hmm. this is something that's embedded within me. Mm-hmm. And now at least I know what the problem is or what I'm looking at here. Whereas before I felt like I didn't even fit in any of those boxes. Yeah. Some of the main features that get me to reassess the diagnosis is what you said, a long-standing suffering, distress, impairment that's not been helped by medications. So if someone comes to tell me, you know, I've been depressed my entire life and I've been tried on a whole bunch of medications and nothing seems to work. That's a clue to me that it's not just straightforward depression. There's something else that we're missing And the purpose isn't to blame the patient, but it's just to go back to the drawing board and find together, like, okay, you've tried medications that hasn't helped. What, what is ultimately going to help the utility of explaining something in terms of a personality disorder is to say, like, ultimately therapy is the main treatment, like medications Mm -hmm. can have a little bit of a role, but long-term therapy to understand your patterns of behavior and thinking, and then to refine it so that you can bolster what's been helpful and let go of what's not been helpful is what will help you in the long run. Yeah. So I guess backing up for a second, what, what is personality? How do you, how do we define it as like psychiatrists? Yeah. At the very fundamental level, I think we like to think about it as temperament, which is how you're born. And that's a composite of like, you know, genetic loading, what your parents were like, and then how it ends up in you. Mm -hmm. Some people talk about like, as a baby, you Mm -hmm. were a fussy baby, you were a calm baby, you know, you you have kind of a core raw material of like what you're born with. And then all of that is shaped by like your upbringing. So Mm -hmm. your personality can definitely change based on how you were treated as a kid how your parents were with you. So basically like temperament plus upbringing equals personality. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that goes on to inform, like how do you as a person typically feel, think about and like behave in certain situations, I think is one way to look at it. So it's like the CBT triangle. And it's like, how do you tend to 
react to situations in these three dimensions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like really simply or breaking it down, like let's say you have two babies and both babies are just kind of sensitive. Like there are certain like materials they don't like touching them. There's certain foods they don't like. They're kind of always noticing loud noises. Like one of those babies might be in a setting where their family is just really attuned to them, really gentle with them, really okay with accommodating their needs, their kind of feelings. That baby might turn out a certain way where they're sensitive and their environment is really sensitive to them. So they kind of adapt and adjust. Maybe you've got another really sensitive baby and the parents just, whatever, they're exhausted, they're tired, they can't figure this baby out. They're frustrated that the baby has so many needs and whatever that baby learns that that sensitivity is like really annoying to the world okay. and kind of adjusts to deal with a world that's kind of not super accommodating of them mm-hmm. given that sensitivity. So yeah. those two temperaments are the same essentially, but those two babies turn into very different personalities. And that's yeah. kind of the gist of it. Like we have this kind of basic wiring as a baby and then we learn very quickly by watching our caregivers in our world. Like, how should I act? Is this okay? What parts of myself do I show? Yeah. And then we get a personality. Right. And, and because it's been set since the day you were born, you get to age 20, 25. And it's, it's pretty hard to like fundamentally change what you were born with that temperament, but then also all the things you learned about how the world's going to respond to you. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty deep in there. It can be changed, but it's deep. Yeah, we typically shy away from considering personality disorders as a diagnosis until like you reach adulthood, at least 18, but really, if not further along, because, you know, your your frontal lobe is not done developing mm-hmm. until like 25 or later. So it's really informed by those formative years of like early childhood and adolescence. But once it's ingrained, then yeah, it takes a lot of work to change. So just to jump in with kind of our vision for the season, we want to start off the spring season. We're going to talk all about personality. Specifically, we want to start with narcissism because it's a juicy one that's really interesting to us. And we want to look at certain TV characters that really show some of these narcissistic traits. So I kind of asked some questions on social media and I got a lot of really great suggestions. It's, <laughs> it's actually shockingly, like there's such a large number of shows that seem, that people seem to think have narcissistic yeah. characters in them. So we've got a lot to talk about. Some very popular votes were for Logan from Succession. There were a lot of votes for House, some for Inventing Anna. Grey's Anatomy had a few votes. Pranav had some. So we're going we're gonna to get into it. It's going to be fun. It's so interesting. I think narcissism is super interesting to everybody, like mm-hmm. not just psychiatrists. And I think it brings up a lot of emotions from a lot of people too. So we'll get into like why that is too. Cause I think that's, that's its own thing. That's one where I f- it feels good in a bad way to like throw around like, Oh, he was such mm-hmm. a narcissist. And mm-hmm. there's something about it that it, c- it can be used pejoratively to make yourself feel better. Like it's them, not me. So you can mm-hmm. externalize the problem, which I don't know if we've defined before, but basically like when a situation makes you feel bad, then you can protect yourself by saying it's their fault, not mine. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes people like throw this term around as a way to do that. Yeah, it's complicated. I mean, I, I found learning about it to be extremely useful and learning about all of these personalities to be really useful mm-hmm. in part because like we walk around the, the world just as ourselves, like through our own personalities. Right. And so it becomes hard to understand how other people are organized, how other people think about things. Mm-hmm. So even if another person is not a narcissist, quote unquote, mm-hmm. we don't even use it like that, has narcissistic personality disorder, they might be organized in a certain way that doesn't really make sense to you is not how you are. And just having a language to understand this is how other people think. This is how other people's temperament and kind of environment created this set of beliefs, this set of behaviors. Like it kind of can build some empathy, some kind of understanding of 
just how much variability there is among yeah. people. And it's worth saying too that everyone has different levels of personality, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think on those personality inventories, that's why they're often like many dimensions with different levers or like yeah spectrums and, right. and that, that that is a useful way of thinking about it but narcissism isn't inherently bad it's actually right. really adaptive and normal to have some level of self-esteem essentially self-confidence mm-hmm. like if you're a performer and you have to like get on stage and do your thing it's really adaptive to think highly of yourself at least in that performance so that you can really kind of share the Mm -hmm. energy with the audience. But also like in general, if you're like, you feel like promote yourself and that's true in any workplace, I think confidence can carry you a far away. And and also to add that like any level of pressure and stress could potentially bring out different kinds of traits. Yes. So let's say at baseline, you're not, you don't have a lot of narcissistic traits. If you were really pushed and really made to feel quite exposed or vulnerable or whatever, like some of these things could come out. It's not like, I think that's a really good point that we're not like those people over there have that issue. It's more like, this is a human thing that people have to different extents. So like, cool, let's get to know, let's get to know it. Right. And so what's the threshold that it becomes a quote unquote disorder or when does become problematic is in general for personality disorders. It's like when your mode of operating doesn't change from situation to situation and you find yourself behaving in a certain way that's not so helpful for you. So like, you know, you can think for narcissistic personality disorder, maybe you're in a setting where with like friends and the goal is to kind of like connect and share and have a good time. But, you know, your way of being pushing your own self-importance at the expense of like connecting with the people you're you're present with. And so mm-hmm. that might be causing distress because that person with that level of narcissism might be like, why don't I feel like I have deep friendships? It's because, mm. because like for someone with significant narcissism, oftentimes you relate to people by kind of like being on a stage, being a performer, having the spotlight on you. And you kind of have to like feel like you're showing off to prove like, how worthy you are, but in friendships or relationships, people don't, don't want to relate to you in the same way as like they're watching a, you know, an artist or a performer, they want to relate to you as a person. And it can be hard for all of us to like let down our need to show off our good qualities and like be vulnerable. And it's especially hard for someone with that level of narcissism, because I guess one kind of blunt way of thinking about narcissism is like, you are really emphasizing your good traits and at times devaluing others in order to protect like your own fragile sense of self-worth at the heart of like someone with significant narcissism is deep insecurities that you're like really, really trying to defend against. Like it's so hard to face those. And because that it's hard to like let down that showmanship and let people in because you don't want people to see it. Mm. Mm. Gosh, what a good teaser for what we're going to talk about. I was, <laughs> I was just mesmerized by that description. Okay, so that that's what's ahead. That's a little teaser about like what narcissism is, but we're going to bring in some fictional characters and we're going to talk about different scenes, different moments where these kind of things really jump out at us. And so we're really welcome to questions, suggestions, thoughts in this kind of episode, in these coming episodes. So yeah, email us, message us, and let us know what you want to hear about. Hit us up, theworkroompodcast at gmail.com.
Alrighty. So we'll be back in two weeks with our first episode about narcissism. And we're going to keep it a surprise which show we're going to be talking about until day of. Until then. Thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, our views are our own. Content is for informational use only and should not be used as medical advice or substitute for therapy or psychiatric treatment. See you next time and stay curious.